a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Made a decision. We have a very special Thursday show planned. Um, we have a great guest in, on our Zoom. And by the way, right before we started the show, Stephanie said that she, Jonathan Brooke, is our, the singer-songwriter, the great Jonathan Brooke, is in on our Zoom. And right before we started the show, Stephanie said she is my Bruce Springsteen because I'm a huge <laughs> Bruce Springsteen fan. she's like you have no idea like she i love jonathan brooke and um so stephanie why don't you uh yeah so um hi jonathan hi stephanie hi lynette hi thank you so much for uh for joining us today we're very excited my pleasure i'm very excited myself so we you don't know this but we go way back to the story days so jonathan was a part of a duo called The Story, way back in the very late 80s, would you say, is that when you guys got together? Oof, yeah. I mean, our first record came out in 1991, was Grace and Gravity. So yeah, we were like putzing around Boston in the very late 80s, yep. So probably around Angel in the House, that was the second your second release with mm-hmm. The Story, I became very obsessed. So I'm going to like... <laughs> You know, certain songs catch you. I don't know. Your music really spoke to me, still does. And your voice really spoke to me. And then, um, so you started in Massachusetts. Yep. I'm from Boston, grew up there, went to school there, and actually met my partner in the story, Jennifer, at Amherst College. And uh, after school, we ended up moving back to Boston and, uh, you know, playing pretty much every (laughs) church basement in Boston, in Boston, because it was such a, it was a very folky singer songwritery kind of scene, and a great place to sort of get your feet under you. Um, but we were both doing other things. She was a graphic designer, and I was a modern dancer, and a nanny, and a cleaning lady, and it was just this crazy time of piecing things together. And then we got this record deal, and that that was sort of the 
the impetus to uh, drop the other things and do music full time. So how did you get the record deal? I mean, you're just, you're playing, you, you know, you're good, but you're, I know you were like a big dancer. So how did you, how did that, how did you balance that and decide? Yeah, that I was, the thing? I was, uh, gosh, I danced in so many different companies in Boston, but one of them, um, we performed this USO benefit concert one night at the Roxy and I, <laughs> I was wearing not that much stuff. Um, I, it was like a flapper number. So I was wearing this little short satin dress with fishnets and high heels and a flapper, you know, skull cap thingy. And I, but I always had cassette, <laughs> I already, I always had demo tapes with me wherever I went. So like ran into this record producer guy who ended up working with Tommy LaPuma in New York. Tommy LaPuma is like one of the record producers of all time. Anyway, so I hand this guy Angelo a cassette <laughs> in my flapper dress. And uh, he ends up working with Tommy and and listens actually listens to it and gives it to Tommy the Puma and that's how the the uh, the record deal happened and that's how we ended up doing Angel in the House and then Electra re released our first uh, Grace and Gravity record after um, we signed. So were you really excited? I was pretty stoked, although my husband at the time Alain Malay, who produced my first four records, basically. Uh, he, I didn't, I didn't know how important Tommy was at that point. And Alain almost, you know, collapsed. And when we got the phone call, he's like, do you have any idea, Jonathan? I'm like, Tommy who? And uh, <laughs> he's like, no, 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 this is like, this is the big leagues. So yeah. wow. then I, <laughs> then I started listening to everything that Tommy had produced and it was pretty ridiculous. So did you have like, you must have had a big like PR team behind it. I mean, did how did they get it out? Like, how did I hear about it? Yeah. It's we, so hard. It's changed so much now. It has changed a ton. I, it's, yeah, I don't even know what I would do if I were just beginning. It would just be overwhelming and too depressing. Uh, at the time, we, I had written this song called So Much Mine. Love and that song. It was uh, the beginning of what we what was called AAA radio. I think it still is called AAA radio, but it's become more of like a, it's a little more edgy, rocky, independent, whatever now. But uh, back in the time, it was pretty eclectic. And there were a lot of singer songwriter types that got airplay on those stations. And so much mine became a top five song on that radio format. And that's how we that's how you heard of me <laughs> probably because well there's a big um, station i think in la ksca do you yeah, remember that KSCA station and, and also it, um what's K- kcrw uh i don't know if they were around back then but th- i'm sure that they, they were played. Mm-hmm. we were yeah that song got a lot of airplay so that's KSCA what that was is where i discovered i mean so many people jan uh jan uh arden and um oh, wow. paula cole and you yeah. got a lot of play on there. Mimi yep. Chen was the one of the DJs there. But I remember uh-huh. I remember constantly because it was in those days having a paper and pencil with me in the car and then like hearing like, oh, that a was so and so and then writing it down. And then because then yeah. you'd have to go to the record store and buy the CD or the, you know. Right, right. I'm old. I remember yeah. when you could go to like Tower Records and you'd you'd ask the the dude or the dudette behind the counter, like, hey, what are you listening to? And they'd be like, Oh, you gotta check this out. Oh, like, I love that. Know. And it was so fun. I would buy records just because they told me to. Oh yeah. I had my one of my good friends worked at Tower Records and I would go in there all the time when she was working. She would have all the info on all the on the the up and coming artists that were coming out that you never heard of. And now, you yep. know. 
I remember going to see the movie. I think it was Reality Bites and loving the the Lisa Loeb song, uh, you know, you say. You say. <laughs> yeah. So in those days, there wasn't Google, though. So you couldn't just right. put in lyrics and figure out who it was. And I didn't know who it was. And I remember going to Tower Records and trying to sing it to the person. <laughs> they <laughs> love was, that when and, you do that. Yeah, and they were like, no, yeah. no idea. So it took a while. It had to be in my brain for right. too long before it, before I finally, because the soundtrack wasn't out yet. yet right, and you, would, you wouldn't even have known, like, you know, the girl with the glasses. Right, right. no, didn't, didn't know anything. to say that yet. Didn't right. know anything. So eventually it came out and I was like, oh, it's Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories. Yes. Okay, so you have these albums with the, with the story, a couple of, mm-hmm. and, then, and then you... Like a year later, you go out on your own. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> uh, was that you know, uncomfortable? It's a. It was. It was a weird. It was. It was. You know. It was to be expected. It was a a little bit of a lopsided kind of uh, work arrangement, and we were Jennifer and I were very very different people, and I was sort of this driven, compulsive, like bossy, uh, obsessive person, and she was Relatable. a lower key and didn't you know, didn't really enjoy the road that much. And I was like, come on, give me some more. I want to let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Europe. Let's do all the things. And um, so it, the, you know, it, it ran its course. And then I went solo, which was terrifying because, you know, our identity had been this duo and this um, beautiful way we had of singing together and these intricate harmonies and crossing and weaving voices. And so it was a scary time, but the next record did really great. And then the one after that did really so great. So Plum and, was the next one. Plum was the next one. Right. Yeah. And Plum had Plum. some of my favorite songs. I made sure to write them down so I don't have it wrong. But Inconsolable, uh, West Point, uh-huh. uh, No Better. Oh, my God. I mean, these are songs that I have played just on repeat over and over and over. My, I've, I've dragged my husband to come see you. It's not really... <laughs> this type of music, but he he gets it. He see. I mean, I've been to see. So I used to go see you all the time at Largo. You played Largo. Oh, I love a lot. playing there. Did you live in L.A. at the time? I no. did. I moved to L.A. in '97 and moved to New York in 2002. So I was there for five years. Uh huh. So I think yeah. I went to every show that was at Largo. One time, early date with my husband, and now we've been married 20 years. I I was he was meeting me there and he was like an hour late. And if you went to Largo, you had to if you wanted seats, you had to go yeah. early and get dinner. So I remember it was like we had a huge fight about it. Oh, because, really? Because you got because he was really late, and I just kept. I don't know. Did we have? I guess we had cell phones, and I was calling him, and he was like, "I'm leaving <laughs> right now," and I'm like, "You can't leave at this at the time that you're supposed to be here in LA traffic." Like, are you kidding me? So I I, I sat by myself, but I was like, "You know what? It's fine. <laughs> I'll be by myself." But then ten cent ten cent wings came out. Yeah, and then uh, uh, my favorite song because I told you so, which was oh. on that on that album. And uh, I feel, and I just want you to tell me if I'm if I'm right, that you played that song for the first time ever at Largo, because I feel I'm like sure. you said I this is the first time I'm ever playing this song, and I was like, <gasps> this is my yeah, new I'm sure song. that was it because uh, Ten Cent Wings wasn't even out yet on on some of those earlier Largo gigs. I was looking for a label for that record. Yeah, so tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got. I want to hear about you getting dropped. By your yeah. Do you want us to take a break, <laughs> Kaylin? Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then I need to hear this story. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we're back. <laughs> so you're out, you're touring, things are going really well, and then... Ugh. Yeah, well, there's, I think every artist that I respect has, will tell a similar story when you're, the timing just doesn't work out with a major label and there's some sort of regime change at the top. And so the person that championed you and understood you and signed you and whatever gets axed. And then the person coming in is like, who, who the fuck is, mm. who's this Jonathan Brooke? I, I don't know him. <laughs> but, um, it's just kind of par for the course. So I was in the middle of this tour behind 10 cent wings. My one of my, well, they're all beloved. They're like children, but 10 cent wings just feels like this epic work to me. And I was in the middle of this national tour and secrets and lies. The first single was charting it again, triple a radio. And this weird contractual thing came up. And uh, again, the, the, person who had championed me was gone now and a new person came in and they didn't really get me and they're like oh well her contract you know is up for renewal let's just clean house Mm. so even though the song was charting and i was on the road and i was working my butt off they were just like nah not really i don't really hear a single so bye-bye and they we we negotiated a little bit like it was we we in good faith were like well wait a minute like we're, we're actually doing really great like just give us a little more time on the road and let's see how this song does at radio and why don't we extend your you know you don't have to sign this contract extension right now give me six more months to like let's see how this goes and they just they never called back they never we never heard from them again. They didn't negotiate at all. And the the following, this was like a Friday. And then the following Monday, they actually told radio to stop playing the song. But <gasps> oh. I didn't, I no longer existed. <laughs> was this in the, in like the early 2000s or like when kind of Napster was coming around and things this were changing? This was right before that. This is like 97, 98. Oh, mm. wow. I mean, we're, you Brutal. must have just been, re- yeah, devastated. Yeah. And they told them to stop playing the song. Oh yeah, like like it was like literally on the desks of those programming directors uh, the next week. Like stop playing her because we're gonna we're we're go we're getting behind this other I forget who it was at the time. Wow, Paula Cole. so what'd you do though because obviously that didn't. This is where I I I just think this is really like for me. I didn't miss a beat because I was used to just going to see you wherever you were playing. But I know this must have been, I mean, I understand the feeling 
of like losing that support. And weren't you about to make a video? Oh yeah. There was all sorts of stuff sort of in the works, but I think what, what sort of, I guess got me through what could have been a really dark (laughs) and long depression. Uh, I actually, my husband, Pat, uh, had the idea to throw a party for all of the other artists that we knew that had gone through the same thing so that I wouldn't quite feel so lonely. So Michelle and Davia Cello came over and Wendy and Lisa Ooh, from Prince's wow. old band. And oh, we threw wow. this dinner party you, in, in they Malibu. Got dropped too? Say again. They got dropped too? Oh from- yeah. Everyone, everyone I know has been dropped at least once or twice by a major label. So yeah, they'd all been dropped and misunderstood and sort of, so we we threw this party and Pat's a great cook and we um, drank a lot of wine and kind of were like, well, okay, well, I guess it's not so bad. We were in good company and my fans, like you just said, don't necessarily care who where the record came from or whether I have a label or not, or you might not even ever know that. It's just like, as long as there are gigs and there's a sort of a stream of work coming through, um, nothing really has changed. I just have to figure out how to do it myself. So that was the next task. And uh, we made a little live record of those shows that I was finishing, those that tour that I was in the middle of. And we put the live record out as a kind of testing the waters thing to see if we could be independent. And then Bad Dog Records was born. And that was, and I've been, it's been mom and pop ever since. She's <laughs> a hustler. Wow. Like Good us. for you. Yeah. That's, so you just had, you just bet on yourself and decided you were going to just take it on on your own and just we did. We figured did like, well, why let these, sorry, old white men ruin my life again and again and again? They didn't know any better than I did necessarily. I At that point, I had relationships with a lot of the DJs at radio stations and I was credible. I had a really great track record. I had a great audience and I figured like, all right, well, great. They helped me get to this level. Uh, so I, I do have this sort of groundwork um i now i'll i can take it from here and i think mm-hmm. i can probably do a better job than you yeah should. absolutely and other and art, then, artists were doing the same thing at that time right like yeah i mean we were we were early days ani defranco of course was the you know the poster child of like indie from the from the get-go um i was kind of in the early bird next wave uh amy mann did it i think michael franti did it actually at one point we were talking about we should do like a united artist thing we should be me and amy mann and michael franti that would be such a cool thing mm-hmm. but it's like have your own label like, yeah to like to to team up like, like one and one and one could equal 10 you know if we if we pulled resources but it's very hard to get artists <laughs> <on the same laughs> page. yeah hurting ducks or something i don't know right so you were just then, kind of um, on your own. We, uh, my, my second, my big studio record as an independent artist was Steady Pull. And that, we we killed it with that one. We again, we really had a well. five song and we did great. So so how did ah. you do that? So that one was just you using your relationships and, and calling the radio stations and asking them to play you? Pretty much. Yeah, it was me and Pat. Wow. Yeah. That's so admirable. So he like, was your manager. He's my manager. And was, then when you met him, now, he was your manager. Say again. When you met him, he was your manager. And then you guys yeah. fell in love. Yeah. Actually, Tommy LaPuma, that that guy that first signed me, uh, introduced us way back in the early days. And then 
we started working together in the early 90, like right at the tail end of Angel in the House is when Pat took over management. And then about four years later, we kind of like the polar, the polar, whatever those things that magnets do when they repel one another. Yeah. They, it just switched polarity and we were like <laughs> inseparable. And Aww. it's been that way ever since. That was uh, 97. Oh, that is so cute. That's awesome. It, it's, it's weird. I mean, ni- neither of us would have said like, oh, yeah, I could see myself with him or I could see myself. With her. We were just <laughs> it was a business relationship. It was very serious. And, you know, he's a great manager, but like there was no funny business. And then it literally was like the magnets being redirected. <laughs> and it's, he's uh, still very yeah. uh, business. He's still very all business. He doesn't yeah. like, he doesn't write back to emails and say, oh yeah, we're married. Like, I'm her manager. What are the details? Yes, she would be interested. <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> this is kind of funny. It's funny. You good. know what? Our, okay. So like trivia, our first kiss was at Largo. You were probably there. I probably was. <laughs> I don't think I missed a show. What happened? Well, um, it was after a show and we were, it had been an intense, intense week and I'd been courting labels, trying to find a home for 10 cent wings. And uh, it was just a big nightmare. And um, after the show, he came upstairs and we think that it was me. We think that I kissed him, but (laughs) literally something happened in the air that night that that swapped everything. After a magical performance in front of Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Yeah, it was. I maybe it was you, Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) But like, were you already thinking in that direction? Were you having a crush? No, 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 no. It literally, it was just like, wait, what just, wait, what just happened? That is. And then we were both kind of like, this is so weird. Like, but, and then I think we kissed again and then it, and then like, that's literally his, then we were inseparable. Oh, that's so nice. That's really cute. That's really cute. That's really weird. Did you write any um, any of your songs about him? Oh, there's so many songs about him. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh yeah. New dress is kind of about him. New dress. Yep. Um, uh, your house is a little bit about him and a little bit about my mom at the same time, which sounds weird until you know the story. Um, there's a song called Too Much Happiness that's pretty much about Pat. There's a song called Never Too Late for Love. Yeah. And how does he feel about the songs? He's so funny. He's he's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let her do her thing. She's the artist. Yeah, and it, like I was so excited about the song Too Much Happiness. I just thought, oh, what a sweet, like, oh, wouldn't that be? He's like, eh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> does he have a favorite song of yours? Uh, I think because I told you so is is one of his faves. I think. Can uh, you tell us? I've always wondered. Like, was that is? Did you write that about somebody or just about your feelings about? I don't know. That song really. What's the song about? It uh, at the time it was about, or it was it was being written. I was writing it around the time that my first marriage was ending. But it was also the time when my ex-husband and I were making Tencent Wings together. So I was writing 
those songs. We were recording a lot of it in our living room on on ADATS. It was, you know, it's very intense time. And I don't think either of us even had the the bandwidth to realize how how telling the songs were. Um, you know, often uh, I'll, I'll I'll write something that's very to me. It, it's sort of an intellectual thing, even though it's emotional. And I'm, I may be crying when I write it. I'm sure I was crying when I wrote because I told you so. But at the same time, I was crying because it was, it felt like, oh, this is universal. Everyone, I, I think everyone can relate to this. And there's this, you know, turn of phrase that, that makes it poignant. You know, it's not, but you know, get, get in your room because I told you so. It's not that it's like, can't you believe that I love you? But just because I told you so, isn't that enough? I, but you know, and so it, I feel that, that song that was, from the other side from oh, like really? being the insecure, being insecure and feeling like you can't tell me enough. To, like, I, I just can't feel it. Wow. And that's sad. I feel it from the point of view of feeling like a broken cup. I don't now, oh. now that I've been married for, but I just remember feeling that so much at the time of just like, I was in new relationship. You know what I mean? My husband was, yeah. is not super effusive. And like he, and that would be the kind of thing he would say to me. Like, I'm telling you that I'm committed and I'm into you. Mm -hmm. Like how many, how many different ways can I tell you before you like, believe me? Mm. Will you play that? Yeah. Oh my God. This is exciting.
remain My love, believe me now Woo! Oh, wow. That was amazing. I might have capped it a little on that high note, but whatever. That no, was so good. Beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. This was surreal. I had to take a picture of it so I could send it to one of your other super fans so I could brag. All right, we're going to take another <laughs> quick break. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. Oh, Woo! my gosh. That was unbelievable. So beautiful. I, I, it took me all the way back to city in, to Largo. And <laughs> I'll never forget how when you said this is the first time. And I was like, oh, my God. This is going to be a huge song. And in fact, Nick Lachey covered it at some point, That's right. which I never <laughs> on principle listened to. And it makes me weirdly angry, irrationally angry. Yeah. How I did know, that happen? I, just, I keep hoping that someone will cover it who actually can, can make it reach a bigger audience. I don't have the, you know, the wherewithal right now to sort of pay for marketing and managing, you know, like all the stuff mm-hmm. that it takes to, to really reach further. And, uh, right. you know, I keep thinking, like, John Mayer loves this song. Like, gee, he should cover it. Why didn't John Mayer oh, like, yeah. should. do the song? Come, I know you I'll love it. Him. So, <laughs> yeah, you tell him. <laughs> He's on next week. <laughs> so I want to talk about um, a little break you took for, for a little bit to take care of your mom. Oh. And then you, a beautiful album and show came out of that, which I didn't get to see. I don't think it was in L.A. at a time. I don't think you did performance of it did you in LA I don't think so no I did a really early terrifying uh kind of reading of it you know at uh, among friends uh so I you know I sort of tried it and I I hired a cello player out there and I I did a very early version of it uh at Bob Clear Mountain's studio uh just to you know see if I could get through it without dying and (laughs) (laughs) it went really well and so that sort of spurred on the continuing development of it so, so can yeah you just then it take us back because these guys don't know but tell tell us like what happened and how this came about so um, it was early 2010 i had put out a record in late 2009 called the works which was this really cool project where i got to go into the woody guthrie archives and choose from among his poetry and his letters and his journals and basically take his lyrics and create new songs with them. And I was able to cut and paste things that, you know, hadn't seen each other before and make this beautiful record. So I was on the middle of this big tour. Record was getting some really beautiful press because it was a it's a gorgeous project. It's called The Works. And meanwhile my mom was had Alzheimer's and was it was really getting a little crazy and she needed full-time care and there was no way I was not going to be there for her. So 
in the middle of touring that record, I just, I, I went to Boston and I stayed with my mom. She was in a sort of assisted, not really assisted living facility and was falling and it was really, it was a mess. And so I stayed with her there for a couple of months, just observing, trying to figure out like, how bad is this? And what, what do I do? And basically that September 4th, <laughs> Labor Day weekend, 2010, which is my uh, wedding anniversary, I packed up in a CV with whatever I thought my mom might need for, you know, just to get for the next whatever. And I drove us to New York to my apartment in New York <laughs> and arrived at our building. And my husband ran down to meet us on the curb. And I, you know, there I'm in this SUV. I'm, I'm, I haven't slept in weeks. I'm just exhausted. And there's my mom demented as ever in the front seat. <laughs> I'm like, I happy anniversary, my love. I I, I brought you my mother. <laughs> wow. Here here we go, basically. And so for two years, I took care of my mom uh, in New York, and it turned into this incredible uh, roller coaster love story, and uh, all the things. You know, dementia. My mom was a character. She was very theatrical. She had studied to be a clown earlier in her life. Uh, so there was there there were these clown elements that entered into it, and I ended up just writing it all down. And she became complicit in this sort of like, this is a great story, Bully. Bully's my nickname. You know, we sh are you getting this down? This is this is good stuff. We should make a play out of it. We should take it to Broadway. We can make a ton of money. <laughs> like, Mom, um, may maybe whatever. I am getting it down though because this is good stuff, and it's probably bigger than my next record. This is definitely theater. <laughs> And so it became this one-woman theater piece. Uh, I weave 10 songs in and out of the story of me and my mother, and uh, it really hit a chord, and people really related to it. And so there's a record of the same It's title. one it's of my favorites my of your of your albums. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and are you getting this very down deep. one of the most beautiful songs ever I saw? What's the name of the album? It's called My Mother Has, oh, my mother has Four, four my Noses. My Mother Has Four Noses. <laughs> Wow. And why does your mother have four noses? Well, that's the thing you find out in the show. I don't talk Which about I didn't it a get lot to see. besides the show. So at first, people think it's a metaphor, you know, that she was a clown and she probably had a red one and a green one and whatever. But uh, you find out, no, it's not a metaphor. The opening of the show is like, my mother has four noses. Mm, it's not a metaphor. It's that she blah, blah, blah. And then so I go back in time and I talk about this uh, skin cancer that that destroyed her face, basically. Oh. And because of her religion, she she chose not to treat it medically. She spent she, 20, 25 years, um, she prayed for, for God to sort of fix this thing, and, it, and God did not fix it. And so basically medicine fixed it. And so in an earlier sojourn with my mom in uh, 1999, she moved in with me in LA for a year. And that's when we fixed her up, we got rid of the cancer. And basically, when you have lost that much of your, <laughs> your face, they make you, you know, a beautiful prosthetic nose, and, and they make you four of them. So that you, I guess that you have options, and they are differently pigmented. So the opening line of the show is my mother has four noses, winter, spring, summer, fall. I was going to wow. say, yeah, you need one for summer when you're like a little tan. Yeah, a little Although more she... freckly. And... <laughs> wow. It's, it's so beautiful. So you toured, you did that show in New York and it went well. It was yeah. really well reviewed. 
Yep. And then I, uh, I've done it now in Cleveland. I've done it in Arkansas. I did a month-long run in Philadelphia. And I've done it a month in Minneapolis, here where I live now. So, and I'm actually maybe bringing it back next year. I am. I worked on a, a little grant proposal to uh, maybe uh, what's the word? Small in it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to to like re- restructure it so that it's more travelable and that the production isn't so overwhelming that you have to do a three week run to make it feasible. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way that I can I could actually do it, you know, a night at a time all over the country. Wow, that would be really cool. Yeah. So and, a lot of people couldn't come to New York to see it, and you know, what are you going to do? You have to right. run to the people. I know you have fans everywhere, a lot in LA. And how do you stay in touch with your fans? Do you you have a website? You yeah, was, oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, that's a really good question because I was going to ask you that as well. It's like it, there's a certain demographic sort of precipice drop off of uh, networkiness, mm-hmm. you know, where like, how do I reach the Stephanie's of the world? If you're, you know, if you're not on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter all the time, I think there are a lot of people out there that I don't even know how to reach them anymore. And well, they might want to know what I'm doing, but. Right. I mean, it would seem tough when you don't have a company machine. behind you, a machine like constantly pumping out all the PR and all that. Um, yeah. You know, it seems like it would be really tough. I mean, I feel like your Facebook is pretty active. And so during COVID, you yeah. got you started doing a lot of performances from your house. It was like the greatest <laughs> thing for me. I came to all I I was the one who you came told to every you, show. I was <laughs> I came to every show. It took a lot of work. But uh, <laughs> uh, I was when it was like, you got to do Venmo. I was trying to yeah. help you you because you were doing something to get the donate to for people to, you know, tip you. Yeah. And I was like, do Venmo, it'll be a lot easier. Because I yeah, think, you were I, think only I ended doing- up doing like sixty some odd shows. Like every Monday I was doing this show. It started in my kitchen and then I moved up here because the acoustics are better. Uh, but it really saved us. I mean, the Venmo and the PayPal, that was like that was a real thing and it got us through. Because I mean, neither neither my husband or I could be working. Like he manages recording artists, and I'm a recording artist, and we were grounded. So it was huge, and it was um, also you know kept me a little bit sane, even though I couldn't tell. I could see the numbers on the thing on the side of like, oh, 600 people this time, yay! And there's Netherlands and France and Morocco, and there's a J- Japanese person and a Philippine person, and this is awesome. Uh, except it was just my laptop and the little green light here. <laughs> um, I just would pretend that it was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. And, but it was. Um, and it was. And it was. It was just like, I just had to pretend. You have to pretend. It's it's daunting, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you're literally, you're alone in your room. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be hard as it's, an artist. Yes, the thing. Yeah. It's a really good training. Yeah. How did no, you, just... you just have to be like, all right, I'm, I, there are 600 people here. And we're gonna do this thing, and it 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 got over. And people, I think, want like they're excited about it, and they're getting an opportunity to be a part of something. I think it builds community too, because you can totally. look in the chat and you can see. Right. I I mean, I know for us, for me and Lynette and Kaylin, the the thing that kind of changed 
the game for us as a as podcasters was the Facebook group. And it was like we had a Facebook page, but when we started a group, that's when all the fans started talking uh-huh. to each other. And it became because I was I would say to Lynette, like, how come like we put out an episode that's super funny or, you know, a great episode and like nobody really talks about it in the comments. Right. And then huh. I asked one of the like a fa- I was like, how come you guys never comment? And they said, because it comes up uh it comes up in our in our feed and like sometimes we it's like personal. I don't want everybody reading it. So we were like, Well what if we did a Facebook group? Private. Yeah. Yeah. Not secret, but just a private group that they have to enter because they like you. And then they all, all, it went crazy. Like we had thousands of people and then they all were talking to each other and it's like beyond us. Yeah. But I feel like your fans like feel special because they feel like they have not a secret. I mean, you're, you're fairly well known, but I mean, when they, they're like, oh, when you love Jonathan Brooke, you love Jonathan Brooke. Uh I don't know if you can tell. I love Jonathan Brooke. <laughs> so when they, you know, it's a, a, I'm sure a feeling at your shows at like yeah, when you were doing intimate. the COVID. Yeah. yeah. It's an intimate feeling and they want to talk to each other and get to, and like, you know, meet each other and feel part of something. It, yeah, it's an incredible community and the, the kitchen COVID, the, the you know, the COVID concerts were really so reassuring. I, I felt so bolstered by, everything you just said like it was a real community and I, and so every time <laughs> i would sit there for hours thanking every single person who like pitched in on venmo you know there was one girl i forget her name was amy lotsberg i think she every single show she gave me five dollars and it meant the freaking world to me because i knew she couldn't afford any more than that but she was there every week it makes me cry even now mm. like it, it just was like the most sweetest thing so every week i'm like thank you amy <laughs> like, i love you so much thank you <laughs> and then you know there were other people who were like super super generous and and lovely and they they would just be like it's it's okay don't worry i can afford this and i really want you to have it and and that too was like right. oh my god you saved you saved us <laughs> that's great yeah. And now that I'm out and about actually able to tour again, every show somebody brings brings up the COVID concerts. They're like, and and thank you for the COVID concerts. Like, it was just so nice oh. to have. They were every Monday, right? If yeah. I'm remembering it correctly, every Monday. Yeah. And it, the kitchen, you call it the kitchen COVID? Kitchen COVID concerts. <laughs> I mean, it was so fun. Yeah. Oh, and it's actually one fan from LA made me this. You see that wooden thing? Oh, oh it's, is that a painting? It's like Kitchen a wooden COVID painting. Concerts. She made me a my own plaque. Oh, cute! It says Kitchen so COVID in the background. I yeah. love that. So when it, COVID started to like dwindle a little bit, did you ever have like people come over to be your audience, or did you always just do it? You? That. I never did that. I had my cello player came over, so she was. We did some cello uh, song stuff, and that's. That was the only time that there was. Oh, and then my my stepdaughter Lily came over and she was a guest once. I saw that she was a guest host once. <laughs> I had to go. To, I had to go to like jury duty or doctor's appointment or something. I think it was jury duty. So did you? Do you feel like you had to learn a bunch of tech and like how did you figure it all out? Because I'm the worst with that kind of thing. 
Well, clearly I suck at it too. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, a friend who lives here, uh, Kelly Lynn Knott, who was doing a lot of facilitating the techie stuff for people. She figured all the icky stuff out for me. Um, she got me this little mixer here and, you know, I bought this microphone and, you know, because there were a lot of audio files among the fans who were like, "You're there's too much echo on your microphone. Mm -hmm. You need a, you need some sound baffling in your room." And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> so what? Okay, so you're touring now. I mean, we'll we'll get to, we'll name some of your tour dates, but I'm coming to see you in November at McCabe's for, nice. for our LA people. I'm yeah. sure my friend Jonathan Bourne, another super fan of yours, will will come meet me there. Um, awesome. I'm make Lynette go. I'm going to go. I want to go for sure. So good. Awesome. Uh, seen you at McCabe's now a few times. Uh, made you sign my mother has four noses to give to oh. my, my husband's sister. Their mom passed from Alzheimer's too. And um, yeah, they were going through it for like 10 years. She had wow. it. Yeah. Um, but so what, so before we get to like another song, what have you been working on like right now? I have been working on two musicals and actually three. <laughs> She's a good guy. And then I'm trying yeah. to remember how to write normal songs so that I hope to make a new record at some point. I'm not sure with what money I will make it, but... I would like to make another Jonathan record before it's too late. But I, I'm kind of deep, deep into these two front burner musicals. One of them is called Switched. It's about two women who are switched at birth and they find out when they're 40. Uh, and then the sort of play starts with them getting these letters. Like, did you ever think you were maybe? Well, it's true. You were. And then like, boom, you know, the, sh the show starts and we circle back to them as kids and uh, that's a really cool project. So I'm, I'm working on that pretty diligently. And then there's another, uh, musical called Tempus, T-E-M-P-U-S, as in Tempus Fugit, Time Flies, that is a commission from two New York producers. So I'm co-writing that with a, a woman named Jacqueline Beckus, killer playwright. So we're working on that and that's front burner as well. Wow. No pressure. That's great. Yeah. Terrifying. Well, do you want to play us another song? I'll let it be your okay. choice, so I don't okay. I don't make you tune your guitar for twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put you through that. I, let me see if the other guitar is tuned to something more normal. Hold on. <clears throat> put the gun down. Come talk to me. You got a lot of nerve. And bound your freedom. You say you had it rough. Everybody got their cross. So you bear it up. You seek your prophets, telling your laws. And then you carry on, carry on, carry on. Carry on, carry on. Gun down. 
Cause your daddy mean Your mama couldn't be saved No one keeping you clean Or is it just attention that you crave so put the gun down Nobody has to lose So you better choose And you carry on, carry on, carry on Carry on, carry on, carry on No matter done you wrong It's Tuesday, you can make it to Wednesday Thursday, you might feel the sun Friday was nothing about Saturday Sunday don't need no gun Don't aim, don't swing Nobody has to bleed No fat lady gonna sing You may never get what you need Don't you carry on, carry on Carry on, carry on No man had done you wrong So you carry on You carry on, carry on, carry on Carry on, carry on, carry on No man had done you wrong So you carry on You put the gun down Beautiful. Such great lyrics. Very interesting. Very Thank interesting. Thank you. Another one I've listened to over and over and over and over. Oh, oh CD with your music. Love um, it. Oh, my gosh. I feel so honored that you came and did our podcast. And let's send our audience. Yes. First of all, can you I, – I was sent your tour dates, but do you know any of them offhand? I do. Okay. Let's see. Well, this weekend I'm playing with Patty Griffin. <gasps> I know. Wow. I know. And I haven't seen her in years. Uh, she was kind of came up in the Boston scene right when Jennifer and I were starting out. So we go way back. Uh, the first one's in Hammondsport, New York, which is the Finger Lakes region. I think it's at this like winery fancy outdoor place. It's, an, it's a daytime show on the 17th. Uh, the next one's in Annapolis, Maryland on that 28th and no on the 17th sorry annapolis is the 17th and then i'm out on the road with my sexy hot guitar player sean <laughs> who also sings his butt off uh we're in new hope in which is outside of philly new hope pennsylvania on the 28th we're in portland maine the 29th we're in natick mass my old stomping grounds natick sure <laughs> on the 30th 
And then we do Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Then we do Vienna, Virginia. I mean, it's a lot of East Go to my website, jonathanbrook.com. Yeah. Yeah. And com on Instagram, on Facebook. You have a Facebook page, uh, YouTube channel, Jonathan Brook. So everybody just go to her socials. And when you go see her in concert, go wait in line with your thing to have signed and tell her FCOL. Yes. Yes. So she'll know. (laughs) We'll know you FCOL. Yeah. Thank you. I so love much. that. That's the name of your podcast. I look for crying out loud. It was such a great. I might have to steal that and make a song. Oh please, we would yeah. love that. I was just going to wow. say, we write a song. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, kind of like because I told you so. Like for crying out loud, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, we yeah. were. Uh, we started as basically a parenting podcast. Our I, I have twins. I have twins and a older one, and Lynette has twins. And so when we started, our kids were really little. Both of us. So we were like overwhelmed with it. And it was, we love to like complain. Right. Uh, it's like our, our, our thing that we do. <laughs> Vent and complain about loud. parenting. For so yeah, so that's loud. where we came up with all, like, you know, the knock it double. off. Mm-hmm. Don't make me hit you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so, so wow, much. Thank you so much, Jonathan. This yeah, we loved been it. great. We really appreciate uh, your appreciate time. appreciate you thinking of me. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been fun talking to you. Okay. All right, everybody. Bye. Check her out. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.